This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Mark Big Granddaddy Bowman, Buffalo, 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 John W. Arborzinski III, Jessica Samoa, John Goldfield, Jade Oaks, James Bren, and all of our Patreon supporters and listeners. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome to another episode of The Adventure Jogger. Uh, Filling in for Jeff Stafford as co-host on this episode is my wife, Christina. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Were you excited about this? I was so excited. (laughs) You got to get better at acting because you don't sound excited at all. But you should be excited because we have a great episode lined up for you tonight. Uh, The Badwater 135. It's, It's a race through the desert. It's miserable, it's hot, it's one of the toughest foot races on planet Earth. And there was some controversy at this year's Badwater. Now, if you are a I regular... I heard a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, actually. this is this is yeah. big controversy. If you're a regular listener of the Adventure Jogger, you know that we never shy away from controversy. Um, we're going to address that controversy tonight. Photographic evidence exists of Harvey Lewis... After finishing uh, Badwater, he finished fourth overall, wearing his sponsor shirt. And next to him was his fiance, Kelly O'Dell, who also finished the Badwater race. She was not wearing a Harvey sponsor shirt. She was wearing an Adventure Jogger shirt. So I saw the picture. The controversy. You look good in that right, shirt. All over the internet, Thank people you. asking, wait a minute, is, is Kelly O'Dell a member of the Adventure Jogger race team? We're going to tackle that controversy and more <laughs> on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Welcome back to Kelly O'Dell. Welcome, Kelly. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Well, I know when we talked to, when we interviewed Harvey, uh, your fiance, you kind of popped up in the background a couple of times, and then we had a great discussion with you about, you know, a, a lots of things. I think people learned a, a lot about about Harvey and a lot about about you, and I thought, well, she's running bad water. We got to get back together when when the race is over and see how this race went for you because this is a race that you have spent a lot of time around. This is the race where where you got engaged to to, to Harvey. This is a big race for you, and this is the, the the first time you actually towed the line as as a competitor in the race. Yeah, yeah. So. Um it was. I've been out there. Um, I think this was my seventh year uh, being out to Badwater. Mm-hmm. I've always been out there, either as like crew or support. Um, and I every year, and it was amazing. It's just amazing to be out there. Death Valley is um, a beautiful place, and I would we would leave every year after the race, and I always kind of did this whole reflection piece, like I run ultras, like there's this amazing race here. Do I, am I ready to start working towards, you know, putting an application together to apply for it? And um, I was always very happy that I I always came back with that answer of no. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, okay, you know, no, you're, you're just not, I didn't have the interest. And um, 
you know, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago, three years ago, kind of went through that whole reflection piece again, leaving the desert, um, you know, and all of a sudden, like I answered myself, yeah, I think I'm ready. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, you know? So at that moment, that's kind of when I started putting the ball in motion of, you know, getting the races that I needed to get and applying. Let's be honest. I don't think anybody looks at bad water, looks at finishers, looks at photos from the race and goes, that looks like a hell of a lot of fun. This is going to be the best time of my life. And, and it sounds like for a good chunk of years, you had the attitude of, well, I guess I got to be here to support people. And this is a beautiful area, but what a miserable race. What was what was the shift for you that made you go like, OK, you know what? I need to this is. I'm switching gears here. I can't just be a, a spectator anymore. Yeah. I, 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 I no longer look at this as a miserable experience. I, I need to have this experience for myself. Yeah, yeah. And um, there really was uh, a couple of things that happened in that, that year that I kind of thought, this. I think I'm ready to start working towards this. Um, and they all happened out at Badwater. Um, I had uh, one of the race officials, um, Scotty Walls, who mm. um, I always enjoy chatting with him. He's the guy that wears the kilt that's out there. You see him yeah. a lot in pictures. Um, you know, so Scotty came up to me and he said, when are we going to get you out here to run this thing? I think it's about time, right? Yeah. And for a second, I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy actually thinks I can run this. <laughs> <laughs> like, and um, it was that same year somebody else approached me and said, you're out here every year and you run ultras. Like, are you ever going to apply for this race? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um so it was like i think it was that it was like people actually believe i think they be they believed that i could do it and that's when i was like these people think i can do it you know so that's that's really what it was it was like hey if these people think i can do it then i, I they believe in me so peer pressure yeah positive peer pressure positive in a way peer pressure what did you so you're, you're you're engaged to a guy who's won bad water amongst other things i mean we could we could go into your fiance's resume, but this is not an episode about your fiance. But but what did what did he say when you told him like you know what, um, I've I've crewed you enough, um, we've got engaged here, but it's my turn to, to lace up the shoes and yeah. run bad water. Yeah, um, he was super excited and super supportive. He was like, yeah, I think I think this is, and he's never been one to be like, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. Um, you know, we didn't go out to bad water every year and he was never asking me like, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? Um, it was when I decided he was just like, yes, I think if you're ready, then yes, I think you can, you're going to be able to do this. And the very next thing that he told me is, um, you have to start running on hills, though. <laughs> oh, that would be a deal breaker. I am a very, um, I, I like flat road. I do. It's and nice. um, I just feel like I'm a better runner on flat road. I feel like I'm more efficient on flat road. Um, you know, but that's just because my hill muscles have never really been developed. So, you know, that was his thing. He said, you have to start running hills once a week. And I said, okay, I can do that. I can do that. So your normal so, routes of running, are they, you, you pick the flattest parts of Ohio yeah. to run in. You're, you're, you're outside, you guys are outside of Cincinnati, I believe, right? 
I'm actually in Circleville, which is south of Columbus. So okay. Harvey and I, we live about an hour and 45 minutes apart. So he actually is surrounded by a lot of hills. Cincinnati is a very hilly region. Um, I'm a very rural farm area. So it's farm fields, flat land for miles and miles. Well, what's going to happen when, when you guys tie the knot? Are you going to find a place in between to live or, or what's going to happen? I know a lot of people ask that question. And, uh, we really are just kind of like everything works so well how it is now. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I We don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a battle. Who's going to win? Is it going to be Hilly Harvey or is it going to be Flat, you know, Flat Roads Kelly? Who's going to win out on this whole deal? Are you going to give up your Flat Roads for him? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out. But here's the kind of the neat thing for you and the neat situation that, that you're in. You know, if I decide to run bad water, which I'm not saying I'm going to because I, I, I am not a good hot runner. I, I run in the cold very well, and once it gets hot out, I'm, I'm miserable. But if I were to say to, to you, Christina, hey, I'm going to run bad water, your reaction would be... I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. But, <laughs> but, but what if I said to you, well, how do you think I should, I should train for bad water? I would ask you to call Jeff. <laughs> you should talk to Jeff about that. <laughs> but but you have a very, you know, you have an insight into the race that a lot of people don't have. Um, you really can, you can take advantage. Like Christina's going to say, why are you talking to me about this? Call Jeff. Like is Jeff's phone not working? Did he not, did he forget to, to, to charge his phone and he can't pick up? But yeah, you, so that's a very interesting point because... I kind of thought going into it, I have seen this race for, well, this was my seventh year. I've seen this race for six years, up close and personal. I've seen finishers from number one to number 100. Um, I've seen the race through so many people's eyes. I, you know, Harvey, we live together in the summers. We're both teachers. Mm -hmm. So we have the summers together. So I see him training for Badwater. So I really went into this race with thinking, I have like all this good insight. It went all out the window by <laughs> mile five. <laughs> what, what I have witnessed for the last six years and what I was actually, um, you know, participating in were two different things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I felt like I was had this huge advantage, you know? I'm like, this is mm -hmm. great. I, I've seen it, I know what I'm getting into. Like, that's what I kept telling myself. I know what I'm getting into. I've seen, I've seen this so many times. Yeah, and what I saw and what I experienced were like on two different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> well, let's go into that in just a minute. But I mean, you have to have a, an amount of swagger at the start line of Badwater being like, hey, listen, uh, guys, I know this is my first year lacing my shoes for this race, but I've been crewing. I've been crewing this race for seven years, and uh, in case you don't know, uh, I'm engaged to the guy who won it. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I got kind of the inside scoop. You know, I don't know about the rest of you newbies. I don't know what your coaches had you do, <laughs> but I got the inside scoop. And then for the gun to go off, for you to start running, thinking like, mm-hmm, yeah, Kelly's got this, and then, bam, five miles in, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. So, you know, I'll backtrack just for a minute. You talked about like, um, you, you see bad water and you're like, this doesn't look fun, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, any ultra that I've ran, you know, I've ran a lot of hundreds and 
there's always a big section of ultras and hundreds where it's like, this is fun. Yes. Like, this is fun. Like, I'm interacting with crew. I'm interacting with other runners. Like, I feel good. I'm grateful. It's beautiful. Like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. There was no fun <laughs> that was being had. <laughs> On Team Kelly, Badwater, course for mile one, I did not start feeling, like, good until, um, let's see, like, mile uh, 122. (laughs) (laughs) I I at one point told my crew, this is not fun. Like, you guys are not having fun. This isn't fun. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so yeah, it, it, it did. So back to what you were saying, like, you know, you start, you feel good, you feel confident. And then all of a sudden it's just like, bam. And that's what happened. Um, about mile 10, I started throwing up and I think it was just the heat. Um, I couldn't digest anything. So I couldn't keep electrolytes down. I couldn't keep calories down. Um, I was running, I could keep water down. I was, I ran from mile 10 to probably about mile 90 on 90% water. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And all I kept telling myself, I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is not safe. I need electrolytes. I need calories. And then I'm like, wait, people have crossed this desert before back in the 60s, 70s, probably before there were these fancy electrolyte pills and fancy salt tablets and all, you know, I'm like, I'm just going to take it easy and I can do this. You know, I can do this. So at some point, though, you're probably going to be going like I wasted all that time on a nutrition plan and I got boxes of goose that'll never be consumed. (laughs) Oh, my God. My crew was like, do you know how much food we have left in this van? But how do you, because, you know, I mean, calories make such a huge difference in just how you feel. I mean, they always say, like, if you're starting to feel down, take a gel and the and the sugar content, the calories of the of the gel will, will bring your attitude up quite a bit. Right. Generally, you get in a bad mood because you're not consuming enough calories and mm-hmm. you didn't have to go, you know, uh, five miles without calories or even 20 miles without calories. You were doing 80 miles without calories in the desert how do you keep yourself moving forward when all you can do is consume water and your body is screaming at you we need fuel i really try to focus on keeping my physical body comfortable so Mm. you know i would take the extra time to like change socks change shoes Um, you know, by the power of my mind, I was able to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, but I also went, I I also did like the extra measures that maybe I wouldn't have done if I felt really good and I was out there moving well. Um, I could have, who cared that my shirt was dirty or my socks felt nasty. You can kind of get through that. But, you know, I think when I was at such a deficit with, you know, calories and electrolytes, I had to do something else to make myself feel you know better even if it was just a band-aid so we did those extra things we took my socks and shoes off we like washed my feet i've never washed my feet in ultra i can wear the same socks and the same pair of shoes like in a hundred mile race i never change 
Um, so we did those extra things to kind of give me a little bit of a boost. And there were times that I like, I know at mile um, 50, round mile 50, that first checkpoint, um, I was able to get a couple bites of mango in, I think is what I had. Mm-hmm. Um, also around mile 75, I was able to get a couple bites of mashed potatoes down. So there, there were some very small moments in there. Those are the only two things I can remember keeping down. But um, there were some small things before mile 90 um, that I was able to keep down. But it was very, min- very minute things. What was the food that, that changed? What was the food that you had where you're like, you know, it's, it turned your stomach around and then all of a sudden you're back in the game? Um, really it was drinks. So like I started to be able to keep electrolyte drinks down. So, um, I, I used a variety of things and I just noticed like I was taking them in and I was not throwing them up. So it really was more liquids. And I do remember at one point my crew gave me, I said, I think I want some Fritos and my crew, um, packaged me up a little bag of Fritos and I ate them. And then at the next stop, you know, she, she comes over and she's getting my stuff. And I'm like, look, I ate all my Fritos. I was like this little kid. <laughs> she's like good good (laughs) and then you know from that point on it was like i i could just take in some i was starting to just be able to eat more things and then maybe that's why i felt so great those last 13 miles because i finally had some calories in me i finally had some Mm -hmm. electrolytes I think people, if someone were to stumble upon this podcast that was not an ultra runner and go like, yeah, you know, I've seen this venture jogger thing. I'm going to go ahead and take a listen and listen to you go, I puked and, and couldn't eat anything for 80 miles, but I kept on going. They would think, my God, these people are insane. All of these ultra runners belong in a mental institution. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder. Um, you know, the other thing that was interesting about my race, and I don't know how much you looked at it. But did you know my my check in like my the checkpoints that we got to? Mm-hmm. I was making them by seconds. Like wow. I was. <laughs> so I know a Panamint, which is like mile seventy two. You had to be there by eight p.m. Um, as I was like using all of my energy to propel myself forward and blaze into it, running like a 14 minute mile, I felt like I was running an eight minute mile. I probably came in screaming at like a 14. Um, I came in at 759.59. Oh, no oh. way! Yeah, the guy, <laughs> as I ran past the guy, 759.59. I'm like, what? So. And that wasn't the first checkpoint that that happened, though. It happened at mile 50. It, the, the first major checkpoint, um, I made it by about 30 seconds. Wow. So I was making every single checkpoint, like, by seconds. By seconds. And it was mile 90, my, um, yeah, mile 90, my crew came to me and they said, Kelly, you've got to make it to mile 122 running like six you got to make sure you maintain like a 1640 or a 1645 minute mile and i said i can't do that i said i'm i'm done i can't do that and she said well we're not gonna quit we're gonna try yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're gonna at least try to get there and i'm like okay so and i did 
uh, my crew is amazing. The crew out there it, it can really make or break your race for sure. And you had to split crews. You had to split your friends in two. Like how many how many friends do couples really have that are willing to go travel across the country, sit in a van in the desert, and hand little Debbies to someone who's throwing up on the side of the road? Like <laughs> everybody, stop and think about the friends you have as a couple. Like how many friends do we have that would do that? I, I don't know. Like maybe like, five. Yeah. And you got to split that up into two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's yeah. a tall order. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really amazing crew. They, um, it's, you know, they're, when you pick a crew, it's really important. I just think there's a couple things and I, this is something I have learned from Harvey. I think it's really important that you have somebody on your team that has experience and knowledge about bad mm-hmm. water, not just ultras, but bad water, um, specifically, Um, so, you know, I just had these categories that I wanted to meet and I feel like every single person, I chose every single person to meet these categories and they, they did amazing. They, they were amazing. So did you get first pick then for your crew of your friends? (laughs) Well, there was some trading. uh, (laughs) There was a draft. There was the Badwater draft. (laughs) There were times when I, you know, I was like, Harvey, I, I may need to take so-and-so, but I'll, I'll trade you, you know. <laughs> um, we didn't. We, we ended up not having to trade or not having to, like, make a deal. But there were discussions at one point on, uh, yes. <laughs> you're, you're like, listen, Harvey, I'm going to give you five packages of spring energy uh, gels <laughs> And a a so and so buff if I can and so and so in my crew if I can trade you for so and so like there's yeah. like a like wheeling and dealing free agent uh, NFL time yeah there was those conversations happening at one point yeah. <laughs> the funniest question that I got asked is when people found out I was running Badwater mm-hmm. is um they're like oh is Harvey gonna crew for you I'm like no way <laughs> no way. Um, you know, for one thing, he, he really loves it out there and he's, he's not, I don't think he'll give up his opportunity to, to run every year that he, you know, he continues to get invited back. I think he'll, he'll take that invitation always, but yeah, no, Harvey was not on my list of, uh, crew members to choose from. Okay. Hold on. There's, there's, hold on. We're going to pause real quick because there's a reason behind that, Kelly. There's uh, there's a whole lot of people listening right now that would say if I had the option to have Harvey Lewis on my crew <laughs> at a, at a race, Harvey who's turning into one of the greatest ultra runners of this decade, but people would would kill to have Harvey on their crew. And here <laughs> you are <laughs> saying, "I, Kelly Odell, do not want Harvey Lewis on my crew." Why do you not want Harvey Lewis on your crew? He is, um, he's a little too lackadaisical for me. Um, when Harvey races, Harvey does not crew like he races. That's, there's, um, if Harvey crewed like he races, I would want that guy on my crew. Um, Harvey, if he's crewing, he's napping, he's eating snacks. He's, He's talking to strangers that aren't even affiliated with the ring. Um, he may go out for a run when, I, I mean, this is, that's just, that's him. I oh my mean, God. Harvey <laughs> Lewis is the worst crew member ever in the history of ultra running. 
He has crewed me twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has crewed me twice. Has he paced you ever? Mm, not much. Not much. Because okay. I think maybe if he's a pacer, he'd be wandering all over the place, getting lost, talking to people, stopping yeah. and taking yeah. a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I think a lot of it, though, comes from like, and I know there, I know husband and wife teams that crew together, you know, they crew each other, mm -hmm. they pace each other, and it's wonderful. Um, I think for me and my personality, we all, we, I think we tend to let our guards down mm -hmm. for the people that we love the most. Mm -hmm. right. So it's very easy. Um, and we have found this out the hard way, and this goes both ways. Um, there's been times when he's been in a bad place in a race, and if I'm around, it's like it's ten times worse. Mm -hmm. So his crew is like, "You need to go, like you need mm -hmm. to go get in a tent or a porta potty or something. Like you need to hide because he and I, I think I would be the same way. So like, uh, if he's crewing me and I'm in a bad place, I think." you could see tears. I might be like, I'm done. I don't want to do, you know? Right. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of protected. I think uh, of that too. I know that like, you know, with him around, I may fall apart a little, a little sooner. But isn't that great though, to have a relationship, Kelly, where you guys know the strengths that you have and the weaknesses you have, and you know, you, you can respect each other in those ways and you know that you're not compatible in every single avenue right like you i'm sure right. you would love you know badass harvey lewis as your crew member like get these i'm gonna uh, lube up your feet and get these things in there you know you'd want you'd want that but you he can't provide that and that's okay yeah you know yeah 100 yeah, yeah and and not being able to be and knowing that listen when the when the shit hits the fan and it will don't be around it's like yeah. no, like being that being that honest and open with each other and not being yeah. like upset about like oh, i don't want to hurt his feelings there's that's, right. that says something yeah yeah definitely and we we just experienced that at long haul 100 down um in florida in january mm -hmm. uh i was probably like mile 85 86 um torrential downpour i've never in all years of running i've never ran in that hard of rain before i could only see like right in front like literally right in front of my face um but you know i was at mile 86 and it's like put your head down just get through it but i noticed when i came back through like our our aid station like where my aid was um the guy that was crewing for me harvey had been there like just two miles prior and now he was gone <laughs> you know? and i did for a second and wonder like well where is he at and yeah. it, then it, it clicked i'm like you know what he knows that i'm dealing with a really hard situation right now and he has he's dipped out and that's exactly mm -hmm. what he needed to do so that's that is very cool and i think not a lot of people have that i think some people would be very like Oh, I want to make her upset if I'm not around. To be able to say those things and to know those things is yeah. pretty awesome. Um, yeah. The benefit of having two school teachers on this podcast, it can kind of maybe we can expand on this next question. But do you think, Kelly, your experience of being a teacher fuels your strength in ultras? Um. My experience being a teacher, does it fuel my strength uh -huh. in ultras? Um, I almost think it's like vice versa. <laughs> I, 
I almost feel like the strength I pull from ultras like really helped me in the classroom. <laughs> but, you know, I think it works both ways. Um, definitely. You know, I, I, I coach cross country also. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I feel like my running my kids my cross country kids sometimes have a hard time understanding that type of running that i do some yeah. of them get it some of them don't um they're all about speed so you mm-hmm. know when they hear that i ran 100 miles they're like oh yeah what's your pace yeah you know they're kids that are used to running you know six minute miles you know six six thirties so when i'm like oh you know i just say around like a 12 or a 13 they're like oh <laughs> is it possible to run that slow? Right. right. Hard for them is that like, walking? Right. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Are you walking that? Like, I can yeah. walk it. Like, yeah. Uh, no, you really can't. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I definitely think things from teaching translates into the running world and vice versa. And I and I say this being the, the spouse of a teacher and someone that's got to sleep within a foot of, of the person next to me. So I, I say this with all, with all respect. I think teaching is truly one of those really incre- incredible, re- incredibly rewarding professions, but it's also incredibly difficult because there's a lot of barriers put up in front of you by people that may may or may not know exactly what they're doing. And, and, and you get these roadblocks along the way. They don't really make it easy for you. And it is a very stressful job reversing that. You said that you pull things from ultra running into the classroom. You got to be thinking, is, is it during those hard times when you're when you're stressed out, when there's a million things going on, when you're having issues? Is it, I can run 100 miles, I can handle this? Did you ever pull that in? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I think it also comes from just like um, – troubleshooting you know a big part of ultras is like what is the problem right now and how do i fix it so Mm -hmm. i can move on to the next you know the next checkpoint or the next stage or the next you know next five miles so you know i feel like using those skills to like um really pinpoint like what is the issue and how can i fix it i find myself using that in the classroom a lot like you know Mm -hmm. you run into a situation you run into a roadblock okay you've got you know 25 kids sitting here and you got to try to figure out how to fix the problem so you immediately what is the problem how can i fix it and how can we move on so i feel like that's used in ultras at least for myself all of the time what about you sweetheart does running make you a better teacher I have to run because it's so stressful. <laughs> like, teaching, it, 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 yeah, it's stressful. It can be hard. So running is a nice way for me to get together with my friends. It's relaxing. It's fun. You're not thinking about yeah. times tables and calling parents and what nope. have you. Right. Um, yeah. Kelly, yeah. What, what, what grade do you teach and what subject? High school. So oh. ninth, ninth through 12th. Okay. And what, 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 uh, what class do you teach? computer science okay. and I teach some financial literacy and some like college and career planning courses. Okay. All right. So we have a middle school math teacher. Yeah. We have a computer teach science teacher in high school. Yeah. Of the two of you, which one is more likely to have penises drawn on the desks in your classroom and oh, Sharpie Lord. by students? It's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> That's why it's the question. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that's probably middle school. <laughs> it's good to know they grow up. <laughs> There's hope. There's hope for your students, honey. That was one of the most awkward parent phone calls I ever have had to make. Yeah. 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 Hey, hey, real quick. So your your kid, yeah, drew penises on the desk. I'm going to need him to stay behind and, and, and wipe those off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
was great. Back to running as we take that 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 little sidetrack there. But I thought it was interesting since we have two teachers on the podcast. Why not explore that avenue? Let's go to one of the big factors of bad water that makes the race so much more than just a 135-mile race is that heat. 115 degrees, but when you're on that asphalt, that can be 125, 135 degrees. It's 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 quite a bit warmer than the actual air temperature because of that heat radiating down on the blacktop. You had yeah. experienced it multiple times as a crew member. You weren't, you know, you, you understood the heat of Death Valley. You, you had experienced it as a crew member. What is the difference when you know the the heat from a crew member standpoint? And then you're running in it. Like, did, did you have an idea of what the heat would be like to run in based on your experience as a crew member? And was that, was that, was, was that correct? Or were you wrong about the, the heat and running in it? Well, <laughs> um, the heat was intense. It was actually the air temperature. My rate, I started at 8 p.m. And the air temp um, at the start was 124 degrees. That is... <laughs> I mean, what has it been here lately? A hundred. And I, I just can't. I just can't go out and yeah. run in that. I just. I told my crew, <clears throat> I had two big roles. Um, I said, I, I never want to know what time it is. So and it, I'm kind of like that in hundreds also. Yeah. I, I never want to know the time. So I'm like, I never want to know the time of the day. And I never want to know the temperature. Don't ever tell me the temperature. Yeah. I'm like, even if it's cooling down, like you can say, hey, it's cooling down. Or if it's like getting gonna, it's getting hotter, you can say, hey, let's make sure we keep this ice on you. You know, I think the temperatures are gonna rise, but don't ever tell me what the temperature is. So, um, so I did a lot of heat training uh, leading up to the race mm-hmm. and um, I was starting to feel really good with all of the sauna sessions. Um, I do think the heat training was beneficial. I think it made a difference out there. I think if you did not heat train and you went out there to that race, um, you know, I say that even though I started vomiting at mile 10, I think it was hot. And about two weeks before the race, I started actually telling Harvey, I was like, man, you know, I just, I don't know. There's something that I, I'm really worried about the heat. I'm mm-hmm. really worried about the heat. And he, and he said, Kelly, you're going to have ice bandanas on you. Your crew's going to be spraying you down. And he's like, when you've got all of that going on, he's like, it's honestly not that bad. And when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I think he just let me in on a secret. Like, I think he just like let me in on a secret that yes, it might be 125 degrees, but it's not that bad. So I'm like, this is, this is great. This is good. You got you know? this. You just got yeah. the inside scoop on bad water from Harvey Lewis. Yeah. This is the secret sauce. He doesn't tell anybody this. He has just told me the yeah, secrets of the universe. I was mm-hmm. like, he just let me in on a secret about bad water that it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. I t- that was a total lie. I, <laughs> I was. <laughs> was it was, I was so like, bad. he lied. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so hot. And you know, yeah, I've been out there, so I felt it. I know what it feels like. And the wind was so bad. I mean. And I, I've always, for years, I explain it as like, you know, you open up that oven door and you get that blast. Yes. Of like, mm-hmm. It's just it's like, like that a non-stop. hair dryer is blowing on you. It's just yeah. like that nonstop. And you, there's no, there's no respite. There's no shade. There's no, there's nothing to even sit on. There's no log. There's no, 
sidewalk. There's no, you know, parking blocks. There's nothing. There's, it's just road. (laughs) There's just no reprieve. So the heat was a lot to deal with. Was there a moment in that heat where maybe you said it to yourself or aloud, Harvey Lewis is full of shit? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? I I even, when was it? I don't know. I think I even asked him after the race, like, whatever made you think I could do that? And he's like, well, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I'm a pretty, I don't know. I'm a pretty tough girl. Like Mm. I don't, I don't give up. Um, I, I, I've only DNF'd twice and I've went back to those races and I've completed them. Um, I I just don't quit. I I don't give up. I don't stop. And, um, this was very, this was very hard. This was very challenging. And the fact that I was making those cutoffs by seconds, um, you just added that, you know, extra stress, uh, Mm -hmm. to my, to my race, because, you know, I would have to go, I went from mile 72 to mile 90, um, you know, 18 miles. And I wouldn't know if I was going to make that cutoff until I was maybe like three miles out from, you know, the, the checkpoint. Um, so it was like, you just had to go and give it your all and see if you made it. So, um, yeah, it was, it was wild especially making those checkpoints so close. And we talked about that checkpoint you had to make where you had, everything was 90-ish and you had to get to 120. And to do that under the cutoff, you had to run like 16 minute miles, which was pretty quick from what you had been doing prior just because of not being able to hold anything down. Yeah. How, how did you, you talked earlier about your, your crew and you said, I don't know if I can do that. And your crew said, well, we're not gonna give up and we're gonna try. How yeah. did that section go having to knowing that you got to put some speed on or else you're gonna your day is done that far into the race well luckily that was um really early in the morning i want to say like four or five Mm a.m so it was and that was right out of the park so we were out of death valley um so it was it was cool it was cooler you know 90. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Give me a jacket. Where's that Patagonia? I was at the point where I was starting to keep stuff down. So I said, you know what? It's cooler. The sun's not all the way up yet. I'm going to, I'm going to try to bust out like at least 10 solid miles. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I put my music in and I think I did like 12 minute miles. I did for like 10, 10, like a 10 mile stretch or eight, eight mile stretch. Um, which really helped me bank um, some time because then I knew when the sun came up and it was just like blazing down on me that would that pace was going to slow back up to that sixteen seventeen you know minute mile and it might be more like a shuffle. I had three paces. I, I taught my crew, whoever was crewing or whoever was pacing me, I would say this is the trot. I mean, the stuff you say when you're out there, it's like so ridiculous. I'm like, okay, this is what I do when I trot. And then I'm like showing her the trot. And "And this is called the walk. And then I would show her the trot. And then I'm like, and this is the shuffle. And then I would do the shuffle. I'm like, okay, these are my my three, you know, paces that I I switch back and forth. They probably all look the same too. There probably was no variance. Yeah. So, you get to that checkpoint though, and you, yeah, you, and the final checkpoint. The final checkpoint. Did you say one twenty? Um, well, we had to get through. 
122 um and i i can't even remember what the suggested like the suggested time to get up the mountain was like five to six hours so they really wanted you through that 122 checkpoint to give you a good five to six hours up that mountain um i think i got up that mountain in I can't even remember. I actually, it was faster than Harvey. Can you believe that? Wow. What? Yeah. Wow. Maybe you need to yeah, give him some I, advice this next race that isn't true. <laughs> you should give him some advice for his next race that isn't true. You've earned that. Yeah, so, um, I wanted, I think I got up in four and a half hours of that, that mountain. Yeah. And I think it took him about five. He was in fourth place. There was nobody close to him i think he was taking his time getting up Mm -hmm. resting taking naps but yeah so i i kind of like i kind of like that i did it faster gotta rub that in a little bit oh yeah you know you're like hey listen slow poke (laughs) (laughs) so that hill training i was doing exactly that's what it was you approach that finish line you know you you know this thing is going to happen you've you've dealt with 90 plus miles of not being able to keep any really any significant food down making cutoffs by a second like with a second to spare all of that and then you're approaching the finish line what was it like for you with all of your history at that race all of those years that you have crewed that race getting engaged at that race, having the question pop to you at the finish line of that race. What was it like for you running that race to approach that finish line that has so much history with you at it? Um, It was really surreal. Um, It was just one of those moments where like, I can't even believe that this is happening. Um, You know, I went through that whole race with doubt, um, not even knowing if I was going to make cutoffs really starting to think i'm not gonna i'm not gonna finish this um so i remember it was like those last two and a half miles um just really i mean focusing on like my crew was like out dancing and like they were playing music and like we were like so you know it was just like this moment of you know and my and wendy um who was on my crew at one point in the race, I just said, none of this is fun. Like, this is not fun. Right. And she's like, I hope at some point in this race, you're going to have that moment of like, it feels good and it feels natural and it's that fun moment. And that's when we had it. It was on that mountain climb into that uh, finish. Um, It's when I really let myself believe that I was going to finish that race. And, um, and that moment was, uh, very surreal uh, for me. Just seeing, just seeing the the mountains massive. So I mean, mm-hmm. and it's right there in front of you. And knowing that Harvey was at the finish line waiting for me, um, it was just a very, very happy, emotional moment. You know, all rolled up into one. It has to be, and then you get that buckle, and that that has to just be a sense, an incredible sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. to just. Now you've got that buckle. You've been around those people who have finished that race for so many years. They've all were like, Kelly, when are you doing this? Kelly, when are you doing this? You must have felt like now you really belonged to this bad water tribe. Yeah, yeah. It kind of solidified, I feel like, you know, my place. But, um, you know, and more than that, it's just this 
this thing of, you know, ultras, why, why we, you know, we always come back to like, why do we do them? Um, you know, and I, I think in the, the beginning when I started running ultras and I've been running them now for 12 years, mm-hmm. I think in the beginning when I started running them, it was almost like a form of um, suffering that I wanted to inflict on myself. You know, I think yeah. I used it almost for punishment um you know hanging on to like guilt or like past bad decisions or you know i think i almost used it as punishment and it has slowly turned into this like you master the suffering um and you start to gain this respect for yourself so you know if you and you look at it from like this whole spectrum and i feel like and everybody's journey is different you know but Mm. mine i know i I feel like started more with like inflicting this suffering upon myself um and it has slowly transitioned to this other in the spectrum where it's like i gained so much respect for myself um so it's it's really you know worked its itself out that's hearing you say that that is so powerful to have that to have ultra running become started off as something as as a punishment a, a low self-esteem a i'm not worthy i deserve bad mm-hmm. things and to have the very thing you use to punish yourself yeah. turn into the thing that is that you can use to to build yourself up you're you're a superhero you know you that's do, do you remember at about what point in your 10 years of ultra running the mind the the shift happened in your mind of it was no longer a punishment but almost a a celebration yeah um you know it's took it's i've been 12 years i would say it's just really been in like the last three or four years Mm -hmm. um i've also like uh been enlightened with you know you know reading books and like reading different things i know i'm reading a book right now you know i coach high school cross country and i'm reading a book um it's called what is that called how bad do you want it and it's Mm -hmm. it's a book on like endurance um psychology Mm -hmm. so i like to read these books for one thing i can translate them and you know to my high school kids and then i pull stuff out of it too and i think it was a combination of that book and um another book that really made me it was like a light switch like you said it went off and it's like oh my gosh because you know i kept struggling i kept going back and forth like why am i doing this to myself like mm-hmm. i don't need the punishment <laughs> like, right. I, I you know i don't need to suffer like this like i'm i don't need to do this and but i keep doing it and i keep going back and i keep going back and then i think you know through the combination of like experiences and those books um really just opened my mind to like I'm using, I'm using these now as like building blocks for my life. You know, it's, it's kind of went full circle. And now it's like with every race I finish, it's like, uh, you know, uh, I gain a little bit more respect for myself. I, you wonder too, if that looking at the races that way and having the races, the ultras you do provide that for you, that's a more sustain sustainable way of running like how long could you really have kept doing these things if you were just doing these things to punish yourself right Mm -hmm. right yeah that's so that's so powerful and i'm so glad you brought that up because i'm sure you are not the only person i'm hoping that maybe someone is listening right now going like oh my god i i'm doing that yeah yeah it was it was eye-opening for me when i when i finally like saw it I, i was like 
you know, I, I keep wondering why am I doing this to myself? And then it's like, wait, I know why, you know, because you, like I said, you, you continually gain respect for yourself and that's addicting, you know, I mean, you, that's a good feeling, you know, if you to like yourself and to be proud of yourself and to respect yourself, um, those are great feelings that you want to continually, you know, do over and over. Absolutely. Wow. Very powerful. Kelly, what an amazing story. And I'm sure now you've got that great bad water buckle you can put on your on your belt. And then when your cross country kids question any of your coaching advice, you can just tap on the buckle and say, you got any, you got one of these? Oh, you don't? Oh, then you need to go run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a dream of like, you know, and I said with bad water, it's a one and done. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one and done. So I think that was a, another thing that really continued to push me towards that finish because I did not want to go back out there and do it again. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. One and done. But I do have this dream that I'm like, I really would love to put together a crew of like my alumni runners. Yes. I would love to take four of like my runners, you know, out there mm-hmm. and throw them in a van and say, give, you know, fill up my water bottles and give me food when I need it. And, <laughs> Just let them go at it. Every a lot, it would be a lot of fun. I think it would open the eyes of some of these of these high school athletes, these high school runners. That you know, because we all run our last race at some point. You know, yeah. and and for some people, it's high school. That's cross country's done, and they're like, okay, yeah. running's not a part of my life anymore. And to show them that running can be a very big part of your life, mm-hmm. and it can yeah. be it, it can be present, it can be provided that that outlet can be provided in a community. That is so incredible and so supportive and so welcoming that your running can change your life and it can, you can continue to do it. I mean, I think it would probably even make them more excited about running to be around something like, yeah. like bad water. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my passions. It's really, you know, teaching kids that running is something that they can do. It's not a season. It's not a, it's not a sport. It's not, you know, um, a high school thing or a college thing like it's it's one of the things i really want to i really want them to understand that like running is something that you you can do forever um as long as you want to and you set different goals you know i i hear sometimes like high school and college kids you know once they become adults they really struggle with um paces because Mm -hmm. they're like ah you know I, i when i was in high school i ran you know a 16 5k and then they you know they're in their 30s and they're running like 18 minute 5ks or 19 5 right. you know, like they always get they get very hung up with these on you know these times and the thing about it is it's like there's so many different ways of like goal setting when it comes to running right you know so um that's also something that success doesn't always have to be tied to a podium spot or to a fast race um success can be measured in in you know 5ks 10ks ultra marathons so many different ways and that's one thing that i want them to always remember is there another thing when it comes to training being a high school cross country coach are there things that you have your athletes do that maybe are inspired by ultra training? Um, yeah, I think the mental training. Um, I know a lot of the mental work that I do with the kids, I feel like comes from my ultras. Um, so yeah, I think I do, I do pull things from there. Like we say mental work, I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you do? What, what are these lessons you're teaching the kids when it comes to mental toughness? Um, 
you know, we learn to accept the pain. It's coming. I'm a realist, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, I teach the kids. You, you don't, you don't toe the line thinking, I've got this. The training's done. Like I'm gonna go out here and blaze this 5K. I'm not gonna have any issues at all. Um, so, you know, I teach them that that pain is coming. Embrace the pain. You've got to be uncomfortable. Be comfortable with it. Um, know it's only temporary. Um, so we use those kind of things, you know, yeah. so I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's important that they know that it's coming. It's it, you're going to, you're going to reach a point in the race where you're in so much pain. You want to stop or you want to slow down or you just push a little harder and you keep going. So, you know, it's, it's important that high school kids understand that and that they're not just running blindly in a 5k, you know, and they, they hit that pain and they're like, you panic sets in, you know, yeah. what is it supposed to be like? This? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Is there, is there workouts you do to kind of simulate that, get them to the point of that misery, but in a way that they can push through it and go like, Oh, there is an yeah. other side to this. So we are actually, it's a new workout that we are starting this year and I'm really excited about it. And, uh, and yeah, I'll tell you what it is. So, um, we don't, you don't simulate racing a lot. So, you know, the only time you get a race is in a race. Mm -hmm. So simulating racing, um, is really important. And so this year we've actually started where we, um, I have them line themselves up slowest to fastest, like just put yourself in that order. Um, and they do. And I send this, the first one off. All right, go. And she or he takes off. I wait 20 seconds. I tell the second one. Okay, go. Second one takes off. But what I want each of them to realize is that each of you have the opportunity to win this, whatever we're doing, a mile, mile and a half. If we're doing two miles, you have the opportunity to win this. Go. You have the opportunity to win this. Go. And I just send them off every, you know, 20 seconds, 25 seconds, and they're constantly chasing and racing the person in front of them. And that is the closest to simulating a race that I can do. So you start the slowest kids first, and then the fastest kid goes last. Yeah. So you've got your slowest kid, like. You know, your slowest kid is trying to stay ahead of the pack. So Mm -hmm. they're simulating, you know, that piece of it. Your faster kids that are coming up in the rear, they're chasing down the, the, your lead runner. Catch up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the best way that I have found to simulate a race. That is awesome. I hope if anyone's listening, that's a cross country coach throw that workout in because mm-hmm. you're right because there is no there's no simulating yeah. races and and to give them that experience of anybody can win at this point i mean that's yep. that is really really cool i love yeah. that workout um, and i learned that from another cross-country coach so um yeah that's very cool good stuff yeah. write that down everybody kelly what's what's next for you you've conquered bad water i mean what, what's left <laughs> So, so many people told me, they're like, make sure you get something on the calendar after bad water, like or make sure something's already on the calendar because after doing bad water, it's like this, you know, huge thing and you can never compare any other race to it and um, you're going to be lost. So make sure you have a race on the calendar. And I really kept thinking like, I don't think I'm going to have that problem. But, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. So now here we are, what, two weeks out from the race, mm-hmm. maybe? Yeah. And um, 
I'm like, I don't have that problem. I'm, I'm not having that problem of like, oh, what am I going to do that's going to compare to bad water? I don't want to do anything that compares to bad water, to be quite honest. <laughs> it sounds really difficult. <laughs> I am a looking forward to a half marathon. I, <laughs> I mean, I am like... A flat so, half marathon. Know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and that's... And, you get some people that are kind of like Debbie Downers or naysayers and they're like, Oh yeah. So what's next? 150 mile race. No, a 13 mile race. <laughs> Kelly <Like> wants, <laughs> Kelly wants a half marathon back in the farm fields that mm-hmm. she runs in, you know, those back country <laughs> roads that are flat as a pancake. That's the yeah, one she wants. Yeah. So I have found through cross country season, it's really hard for me. It's not hard for me to train. I can run with the kid. I run with the kids a lot during the week. Yeah. Um, but it, the long runs get a little tedious. I, you know, I'm at cross country races all day on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then I don't want to go out for a long run on Sunday. So I, I don't know. I, the last last year, I've always done Columbus Marathon. So Columbus, mm-hmm. Ohio has a marathon in October. It's an amazing marathon. Um, I've always run the marathon no matter what shape I'm in. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed. I don't know, two years ago, I was just like, by mile 18, I'm like, this isn't fun anymore. I want to do it. Right. Last year, um, I was like, I'm just going to do the half. So I did the half. It was a lot of fun. Um, Cross country aligned really well with training for the half marathon. So I'm going to do the half again this year. So next on my agenda will be the the Columbus half marathon. From 135 to (laughs) 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 13.1. Are you going out to uh, Leadville with Harvey? I'm not. So I was, Mm -hmm. and then plans changed. He had somebody else going and I said, you know what? That's the first week I'm back to school. I'm kind of crazy. Harvey's the kind of person that can like show up the morning of school and like just roll right into it. It takes me weeks to like mentally and physically get ready to go back to school. Um, So the week of Leadville is my first week back to school. Um, I think our first cross country meet is like the week after. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if you've got somebody else that you can take, like go ahead and take them. So he got somebody else to go and then they had to back out. So now I'm, so yeah, so as of right now, I'm not going. If anything else, if it changes, maybe. I mean, he does have um, some, he has one friend going out and then another that's pacing him out there. So he's got help. He, he definitely has help. You gotta get um, your room together. You know, you gotta, you gotta yeah. get things situated. The start of school is tough. It is, it is. You just finished I, decorating your room today. Yeah, I had to get my room set up today. Yeah. yeah. We start back pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. We go back August uh, 15th. But, like, we have professional development that starts next week. So, like, Mm -hmm. I've got a couple days of professional development next week. And, yeah. So, I'm just kind of ready to start rolling into that kind of mindset. So, yeah. I'm telling you what, though. uh, I don't know any of your cross-country athletes, but they probably behind your back say, Miss Odell's badass. How did you guys know that? (laughs) Yeah, um, there has been times when I've had um, kids have came up to me and they're like, is it true you ran 100 miles in 24 hours? And I'm like, why, yes, it is. And they're like, oh, 
man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's, and if you have casual jeans day at, at, at school, you can wear some, yeah. wear one of your buckles and show them yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, one time for um, a 24-hour race, I had my kids write, um, like, notes or messages, you know, to me mm-hmm. on, like, note cards. So much fun. Like, so much fun. Yeah. Some of them were, like... Um, some of them were funny like they would make they just someone would tell jokes some of them would be like really nice and like you know you're my hero and great role model and da 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 you know so it was like this variety of all these different like note cards and and actually that's the hundred or that's the 24 hour race where i think i ran my my furthest distance ever yeah so i'm like those note cards really work like it was really it was fun it was fun hearing some of them would be like stupid jokes like dumb just the dumbest jokes you could think of and it's like yes this is awesome that is a really cool idea kelly so, this I like is, to incorporate them when i can this has been such a fun chat congratulations on bad water what an amazing finish with just Thank seconds you. to spare enjoy that half marathon you know like, <laughs> like wow i got i got done quite a bit quicker than the last race that i did <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And, and it's been real fun. Thank you for repping the adventure jogger in that picture. I, so many people sent me that photo, just messaged <laughs> yeah. me on Facebook. They were like, look at this, look at this, look at this. So I really appreciate yeah. it. And you know what? I'll tell you this real quick before we go. So it's like my new favorite t-shirt now. I love it. It's just like soft and it's like fun. And I had it on today. I had it on all day today. Yeah. And then I changed right before our podcast because I was like, <laughs> Like, is this like, um, you know, you don't show up to a concert wearing the pants. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's great. I like, I've never done a podcast. Maybe there's podcast etiquette. Maybe I do not show up to the podcast wearing the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Changed. I changed. <laughs> you know, I don't, you wouldn't have been breaking any etiquette. I think you'd been cool. So I, I appreciate you. You rocked it all day. That's more than Christina has rocked today. I, I love my adventure jogger yeah, t-shirts. Yeah, sure I do. do. <laughs> <laughs> I really do appreciate it. By the way, adventurejogger.com. You can go there for back episodes. Even listen to our interview with Harvey Lewis where Kelly pops up in the background quite a bit. And we get quite possibly the most romantic proposal story ever. Harvey Lewis's proposal story and his, the, his, his opening line, his pickup line. Oh, what was we, that? Uh, well, you're going to have to listen to the podcast to find oh, okay. out. Um, that's an adventure <laughs> jogger. I'm not going to tell you. you got to go listen to the podcast. I, I'll take as many listens as I can possibly get. Oh, you want to compare? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. We're going to do, okay. Well, fine. Okay. We'll, we'll do this real quick. Okay. All right. So Harvey, Harvey, you were at a, at a, a 24 hour race, right? No, it's a, yeah, yeah. okay. And he, he ran past you multiple times and, and he finally got the nerve to talk to oh, you. Oh, I remember hearing the story. Okay. Yeah. So, and he yeah. said, well, what was his exact line? Do you remember? You're a knockout. <laughs> oh, it's it's kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> because because my pickup line was a pretty girl like you shouldn't just be sitting here. She should be dancing with me. <laughs> it was at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, it was at my cousin's wedding. <laughs> We That's met great. at a wedding. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so there you go. Yeah. I think Harvey's line was a little better. The, yeah. no, the knockout line's a little better. His was shorter. I think it was a little risky. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like I said in the, the podcast, like any other time somebody would have been that forward with me, mm-hmm. I would have been like, no, mm-hmm. like you need yeah. to back off. Yeah. But, thanks, see you later. Yeah, thanks, but it worked, so. Um, by the way, normally, if someone said that to you, 
at a wedding, you would not have danced with that person, but you were kind of forced into it. My cousin shoved me out of my chair. So I had to <laughs> yeah, dance she had with no him. choice. She was going to say no, but she got shoved out, out of her chair and had to say yes. So, and know. the rest is history. The rest is history. Adventurejogger.com. You can go uh, check out the gear as well. So back episodes. You can also look at the gear. Uh, there's t-shirts. There's race team shirts. Love the there's t-shirts. The bucket hats. Everybody's loving the bucket hats. Check out the, your very own Adventure Jogger bucket hat. You they may look cool. You may look as cool as Jim Walmsley. I can't guarantee that. It's not a money back guarantee that you look as cool as Walmsley. <laughs> but you'll look uh, somewhat cool. All wait for you at theadventurejogger.com. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We're back next week with a new episode. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.